The Afros and Knives podcast series is 100% listener supported. We love our community of listeners. To continue to see this podcast grow, it needs your financial support. We want to add a video series and continue to shine a spotlight on all that is brilliant and Black all over the world. Consider making a pledge or becoming a patron of Afros and Knives content today. Your generosity is deeply appreciated and is rewarded with early access to new episodes, limited edition products, and behind-the-scenes access to our production process. Visit www.afrosandknives.com to make a pledge of financial support today, and thank you. Welcome to this week's episode of the Afros and Knives podcast. I am your host, Chef Tiffany, and this week's conversation is with certified wine and bourbon expert and founder of Bubbles and Bourbon, Marcia McCall. We talk about her top picks, her upcoming events, and the future of Bubbles and Bourbon. Hello. So it's your girl, Marcia McCall here with Bubbles and Bourbon. And I just want to tell you about myself and my journey and what's going on right now. So you might wonder, how did you get the name Bubbles and Bourbon? Well, here it is. I was studying for the Master Psalm course and I got a little overwhelmed. So, you know, acquaintance of mine, that's it. Why don't you just focus on your favorite, which is Hank's Bubbles and Bourbon. And the name just kind of stuck and we ran on from there. So I started taking classes about maybe two or three years ago. And I noticed that there weren't a lot of people around that looked like me. So I was like, you know, what do I need to do, you know, to educate our community of African-Americans that we need to drink more wine other than Moscato, Hennessy, you know, the things, rappers that are in like pop culture, hip hop culture, music, things like that. And Alize, whatever, like name brand things. It's like, so that's how, you know, I was like, okay, well, let me do events. And that's when I started doing my events and tasting tutorials. And my next one is actually coming up July 21st. It's going to be in the Shaw Howard University area at the Shea. It's called Bubbles, Bourbon, and Burgers. Tickets are on sale right now for $40. And you will get sliders that I'm handcrafted and made myself. Well, I didn't make the meat, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you'll get your burgers. I'm going to make up some drinks for you guys, and you'll get to try my specialty cocktails. But um, I'm happy to be here, ready to get started. Any questions you have, ask away. All right. Well, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, so before, so have you been in wine or beverage all your life? Have you been in food at any point and you just kind of made a transition? Um, what, like what were you doing before you, this, this kind of grabbed a hold of you and you decided to kind of pursue it full time? Um, seriously, because some people are out here at, they just straight up being hobbyists at this point. So when was that kind of transition for you to go from, um, I like the taste, I love wine to, you know what, it's time to get serious and really create a platform for myself. So I turned my passion into my career. I was in restaurants for at least eight to 10 years. I mean, I started from the stepping stones from like hosting to serving, bartending, management. And that's where it became a requirement for like the managers when I was working on Capitol Hill to be more knowledgeable in wine. So I started taking classes at Capitol Wine School and you know, that's when I just got hit by the wine bug, as they say, I was a soil nerd. So for some reason, the soils and the mineralities, that's what like really got to me and how it can affect the taste of wine, just the whole winemaking growing process of it all. 
And, you know, maybe a, after leaving Capitol Hill, after our <laughs> president we have now, you know, it wasn't as welcoming in that area for me, being the only, a young African-American woman. So I went on to U Street and became a general manager. And um, that's when I was just like, you know what? The restaurant industry, it's like exhausting. I want to do what I love. And I don't want to be like, throw, like drawn out every day because I'm in a restaurant, like, working my butt off 10 hours a day, no shifts. I mean, no breaks from your shifts. And I was like, okay, so I know a lot about wine. I started getting my certifications. I also became bourbon certified too. And I kind of just focused solely on wine for the last about two years. It's just been wine classes, tutorials, events. I've been instructing as well. Um, I did a game night at Capital Wine School. I have another one coming up very soon in the next season. Um, So yeah, I'm just basically wine and spirits. Breathe in, breathe out. That's my passion. That's what I do. (laughs) So how, what was your, um, because working of course in restaurants, I think wine is, is a bit more of a natural space to fall into. Was bourbon mm-hmm. just something you like love to drink in your personal time? Was it something you used to, um, recommend or suggest to diners? Um, was it just a kind of like, Hey, I love collecting bourbons and you know, I love drinking them. And this is what I, this is what I do in my, with my own personal time, my own personal taste. Well, I love bourbon, but bourbon is expensive. Let's just get that out the way. <laughs> I kind of drink depending on the season for the most part, because I'm like, okay, if it's summertime, I want some tequila and rum. But wintertime, I want to have bourbon in my hot toddy or, you know, some type of whiskey. But um, I also noticed that there's a Black Bourbon Society. And, you know, like I said, I did some research. I was like, there's not a lot of people in different communities for African-Americans where we can educate each other about different spirits. And that's how I got into bourbon because I was like, you know, it's the name stuck, bubbles and bourbon. Like once I just kept saying it over and over again, it just hit. And I was like, okay, I can make a platform from this. I can build my brand just based on my favorite things because like I have a really bubbly personality, but I can have that hardness of the bourbon that you'll get too. Got you. Okay, so with the with your entry into like both worlds, um, mm-hmm. did you kind of discover that okay, we're we're out here, we're just not, yeah, no one's paying attention, or did you mm-hmm. really go okay? Wait a minute, my suspicions were confirmed. There's not nearly as many uh, brown people out here participating well, in these conversations. When I first started my page, I was a little leery in really revealing who I was. Like I do know some. Um, some African-Americans that are in wine, they just take pictures of wine and food. And a girlfriend of mine was like, you should show your face, show who you are. And that's when I got noticed from Sab Jackson and she introduced me to the Black Wine Lovers Group and where she also made an article for in 2017 for the top 40 under 40 African-American pacemakers. And I was featured in that article as, you know, a WSET wine consultant. And that's when it kind of opened up Uh, And I met like the 40 people there because it started with like our black version of the Wine Enthusiast magazine. It wasn't until last year where we actually was able to get featured. Like Derek Westbrook is on the front of the cover. I'm just like, yes, we need to be on this top 40 under 40 um, Wine Enthusiast magazine. 
And, you know, a couple of months later in 2000, I guess, 18 at this point, they had the Black Symposium in Richmond, Virginia. And it was like a community of us. And that's where I met a lot of people there. I met Larry Boone. I actually met a little bit before that. I met Raheem Brazil, Shall We Wine and um, Tawani Price. And it was just like really good to meet everyone in person. And the um, when it's funny because you bringing up the uh, wine enthusiasts, I was just about to ask about just media and media coverage in general for black people, for black, um, for black influencers who work in wine and and and, um, and spirits uh, professionally, and those who you know are are out here working hard to get their certifications, and they are mm-hmm. extremely knowledgeable. And you know what what is your your take on how media covers the our participation? in these spaces? Well, I mean, Essence Festival right now is hot. Everybody is <laughs> doing their platform. I mean, Sip and Share Wine is there. Um, Tahiri's there. It's like um, Swirl Seat Lounge. I mean, I'm sorry, podcasts are there. So it's like they kind of paved the way and like and started our, giving us a voice. And that's why like, I guess in, I feel like wine's also kicking a little bit so maybe we could edit this out <laughs> i feel like i'm rambling but, <laughs> no, you're fine you're fine good <laughs> but, you know our media we are our media the black community it's not going to be featured in all the mags like psalm journal we're, we're not going to be on the cover of that just yet but wine enthusiasts it was a stepping stone and then um we had the psalm movie where, gosh, I can see his face, but I can't think of his name right now, where he's there and he's representing for us as an African-American psalm. Do is it is it worth an effort by, you know, African-American media media companies and publishing houses and and things like that to develop Mm -hmm. publications for for us? Um, Yeah, I I think we need we need commercials. We need our own TV show. (laughs) We need our own magazine. Because we're all kind of, you're not exactly doing the same thing, but everyone has their own special expertise. Right. And, and I kind of feel like I'm the youngest one in it a little bit. and um, But the ones that are pioneers, you know, no age shame or anything, but everyone's like in their, getting up to their 40s or mid 40s. But I am only almost approaching 30. Okay. So like I want to get out there too for the younger millennials. Right, right. Now, do you have you noticed a like what's been the most effective, I guess, effective platform for you to educate and engage, um, you know, that that particular demographic in this conversation? Like, what do you what have you noticed is the I guess the hardest thing to overcome when you're introducing this information, these these um, these new tastes to people who might not have grown up with them? You know, I've done a lot of probos outside of different wine and spirit stores or liquor stores, if you will. Some of us, they're so, I guess, not forthcoming to trying new things. They're not open-minded. So, for example, I might do something with Baker's Mark and they're like, oh, no, no, no. I had a bad experience with them. There was like another brand I did with Jim Bean and, you know, someone's like, oh, that's just for you know, um, I don't know if I can say this, but for crackers. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> as is it all, it's like, you just can't shame the brand. You have to be open to try new things. Um, 
I've done like Bel Air and it's like, it's kind of hard to reel us in to just have a free sample because we might have like a a bad past experience or we were just drinking the cheap stuff and that's why you had a headache. Got you. Now, I know in a, a previous conversation, I, we were, you know, we covered um, just kind of the history of African-Americans in wine and in um, and in like whiskey production and um, liquor production. And of course, people are just now starting to discover that brands like Jim Beam and Maker's Mark and um, uh, what's the other one, girl? Help my uh, life. What's the, what's the, my, I did not pre Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels is that a lot of the recipes and methods that those brands were built on were, you know, from the minds of enslaved people and from mm-hmm. the, um, from the work that they did themselves. And so, you know, the, the, the current founders and owners uh, and CEOs are starting to kind of uncover that history and really start to take a little bit more pride in the fact that the people People who um, created the foundation for these brands are are black, and you know they came from um, they came from other places. And so, for me, the fact that enslaved people came to this country with that knowledge, it tells me that they the places they came from were already creating these things and were consuming them. And so, to see more African American wine brand or African wine brands um, and African whiskey brands and things like that, what has been your I guess your effort to kind of educate people on, you know, kind of the origins of these things. And like, you know, cause coming here, you can go to, into a black home, into a black household. And it's just not something that's often very common in black households. It's like, you know, a lot of, I, a lot of my friends grew up with wine, whether it was wine at communion or wine during dinner or wine at their family's houses, it was just there. And it wasn't like a, a, a strange thing, but to walk into a black household, you don't see that. You don't see a wine cellar and you don't see no. a collection anywhere. And so, you, you know, what's your, started- home <laughs> you know we love Sutter home sweet red right so what, love- I mean I guess what's your understanding of why our history is so disconnected from that part of history in general I think it's our palates and our palates to evolve we love sweet stuff so we um initially always gravitate towards anything sweet we like kool-aid sugar all the sweet stuff you could get your hands on so it's a while to find and try to find a platform and open up your palate to something different. Like for me to venture into something that's not so, I guess that sweet stuff that they love is like Malbec. I love an Argentinian Malbec. It doesn't have that much sugar in it. Like you don't taste it. You can relax and sip. And, you know, um, what else is something that's like not too sweet? You know, I, I do like a big bowl cab cabernets, but it's like we just have to open up our mind a little bit first and try our palate because we'll have one sip and you'll taste like the bitterness of it. It's like, oh God, no, I don't want to taste this, or it'll just make an instant face like, oh no, 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 no. So I think it just like comes with a lot of open mindedness first, and that's how we can keep on evolving our palate. Like we do have a bourbon out there now, uh, Uncle Nearest. Mm-hmm. You know, we have that, and we have now we have St. Cloud that's that black owned bourbon. I mean, but um, it's going to take us some time. I've definitely seen the growth within right. the last three years that I've been there, and we have more conventions and um, more festivals and uh, more groups and articles that are coming up, but we still got a little ways to go. 
you know, we just got free fifty-five years, right? Ago. And it's you know, and, uh, you know, there's also uh, the relationship. I mean, there's definitely you know, living living as a slave in the new world. It, wine wasn't something you had access to. It was something that mm-hmm. was not for you. And so I think yeah. a part of that is definitely deeply seated in the uh, in the culture. And mm-hmm. so, but I mean, if you look at an Egyptian hieroglyph, you know, you've got wine featured on the wall, and yeah. so you wine know that there. And you know, the or the origins within our people goes back mm-hmm. quite a ways, and so the fact that that's that was one thing that you know, like colonization and enslavement, kind of separated us from was mm-hmm. a lot a lot from our, our palate. It separated us a lot from our food culture. Um, and you know, some things that we're rediscovering right now. And that's just one of those spaces that people don't tend to, to, to associate with black people. It's just, uh, just, yeah. it just straight up, just like fine dining. You don't have an expectation that you're going to walk into the home of your black friend and they're going to have a really beautiful wine collection. It's just, yeah, not, it's you know very, what I mean? Wine so, can also be expensive too, you know, depending on the type of, varietal that you have a fan of i think you know since music is so much part of our culture we need to get maybe some rapper or musician to rap about some um bordeaux or (laughs) burgundy wine i think (laughs) anything else whether it's food and cuisine or wine and spirits Mm -hmm. it's just about anything else like you invest in what you find important no matter how expensive it is because i Mm -hmm. you see people walking around with some really fantastic shoe footwear on Mm -hmm. and but you ask them, you know, when's the last really great meal that you had? And the last time they had a meal, it was like a bowl of a bowl of ramen. And not yeah, oh my god, I can't stand gourmet ramen. Like people are like, oh, let me chop up this and put it in here. Let me add this. I'm like, oh my god, if you don't get some, no, if I would regular spaghetti noodles and make it yourself. I'm like, usually just, and you know, for me, I'm like, if I'm going to go get ramen, I'm going to go to a Japanese restaurant. If I'm going to go to mm-hmm. a ramen house and I'm going to have somebody make it where, you know, the stock has been cooking for three or four days and it's been right. taken care of. And I'm not getting in wax. Right. And just, you know, you know, someone's made those buckwheat noodles from scratch. And, you mm-hmm. know, and I know exactly what I'm, I, you know, I know exactly the care and the consideration that went into that bowl. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it's again, you know, even with wine being, you know, some some wines being pricier than others. Like I said, we as as a culture, we put our money where our mouths are. If we are excited about something and passionate about something, that's where we will spend our dollars. And I think it's really about repairing and rebuilding the relationship we have with vineyards and with wine and that history. Because if you look at the landscape of families that own vineyards across the world, I mean, there's a there's so many layers there that's property ownership, that's generational wealth, that's a generational skill set of somebody teaching the next generation. And that just doesn't, that's not something that's promoted within our culture very frequently, especially in the United States with Black people. And so to be able to kind of change the conversation around wine, just pass something to drink, but Mm -hmm. it's something that is um, heritage. Because mm-hmm, we yeah. don't have that. Like, we just yeah. started making our own wine not too long ago. Like, Vision Cellars and um, OPP with Andre Mag. Like, you know, it's not something that was passed out from generations. Right. Exactly. And I mean, that's we don't have lot- that same experience. That's exactly. like, okay, you're born into it. We weren't born to this at right. all. And that's, 
you know, a big part of that was loan is was is land ownership. I mean, that's kind of mm-hmm. the, the beginning and ends of that. It's just kind of like a, someone bought a piece of a parcel of land, you know, hundreds of years ago, and they had to figure out how to produce something on it. And you know, like Africans are natural farmers; they couldn't produce mm-hmm. anything in North America until they brought slaves over and they figured out how to grow rice and how to, you know, we brought these things over, and you know, we actually showed people how to to till and how to cultivate, and that's why we have crops that we currently have in this country. I mean, essentially we wouldn't have a food culture in general. And so I think we probably, we'd probably be natural um, vineyard keepers and we would probably, would probably be natural producers if we had the opportunities um, to own land, you know, in general. And we're given the, um, we're given, given what we need in order to cultivate that. So, so yeah, it's definitely a conversation to have and to engage with people. It is not just, okay, this is something to drink and you can definitely find something you love, but it's definitely, it's something to think about historically and, and why we aren't connected the way we could be. Cause they good to sell black people, some brown liquor and some cheap beer, but you know, just the advertising, I mean, we're not even, it's not even marketed to us. Exactly. So it's, um, so it's definitely a new conversation. So now for, you know, going forward, like, what do you, you know, how do you want to grow your brand? What are you looking to really kind of focus in on as far as how you're connecting with your audience and what kind of value you want to add, um, value you want to offer them and value you want to add to them? Right now I'm focused on finishing some of my education. Like I'm in the WSET program, but based on legend, which is the, the Wine Spirits and Education Trust. So I am on level three right now and I want to go on to diploma. So the more I get educated, the more I can keep on telling others about wine and, you know, revealing everyone's story that's been trapped in a bottle. Because I feel like wine is stuck in a bottle. You got to figure it out, open it up, taste it and see the journey that it's been on. So right now I'm doing some summer events. Like I said, I have a rooftop party coming up and that's how I'm going to you know, do food. That's my food first food and wine pairing event. And each month I try to think of something different where I can um, show my expertise and knowledge and wine. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, and I love doing parties anyway, but um, I'll have a boat party coming next month in August. So, you know, each month I do a little something, a different theme, but I feel like the people love going to tasting events. Um, I had a scotches and squatches tasting for Father's Day. But um, I want to keep the theme going. I want to keep people interested and engaged in different ways you can match food and wine together or, you know, food and music together, food or some type of clothing and wine. So that's just how I want to, like, be creative in that way to keep people interested in what I have to do with bubbles and bourbon. It's always going to be something related to of course, sparkling wine and some type of bubbles. But, you know, fall will be here too before you know it. So who wants to know how to make a good hot toddy? I'll let you know. (laughs) Okay. Now Mm -hmm. for the, um, for your... I, for your events, um, what's mm-hmm. the what's the big takeaway uh, that you want people to t- you, that you want people to have from your events? What's the you know like if they go and they engage and they're having a great time, like when they walk away from your events, what do you want them to kind of keep with them? I want them to keep the experience. Like um, my mission statement is this: a tasting to away experience. With that experience, I hope that you gain some type of knowledge in how food and wine goes together. 
and how you don't have to just stay in one kind of bubble of I just drink want to drink this you can add maybe like here my favorite kind of thing to do with uh, wine did you know that if it gets warm you could add frozen grapes to it in order to like instead of doing like ice cubes in wine you could do frozen grapes um, with my rooftop event, I'm going to have bubbles and bourbon. So I'm going to show you how to make a bourbon smash. And then you'll have like a sparkling wine sangria. So I want you to be able to take like that recipe with you, something you use at home. It's kind of like that home feeling. It's like, oh, it's something that I can do on my own. Okay. Now, do you typically use um, partnerships or, I mean, do you bring in like uh, mixologists and uh, bartenders or people that you know from, you know, just in your work to come into these events and like participate and educate and just kind of create and add to that experience? Um, or are you still kind of in this, in the early stages where most of that work is being done by yourself? It's done mostly by myself, but I do have a lot of support from my friends that are also somewhat in the industry as well. Um, I just kind of, it's better to have that support system because I know whenever I have an event, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm running around with like a chicken with my head cut off. <laughs> so, but you know, I also like to make sure everything is run smoothly. So of course I, I'm there, I'm present. I might be making the drinks too at the same time, but I always have some type of backup support from someone's in the industry as well, because they know how to hands-on and do the uh, event and move it smoothly. Now is the, is, um, is, is the brand your like your full time work at this point or are you able to are you doing something else just to kind of, you know, fund and invest into the growth of what you're doing? And how are you and, you know, and how are you incorporating all of the stuff you do outside of that um, into like the work you're doing on a daily basis? So full time, I work at Capital Wine School as their tasting coordinator and instructor for certain class teams. Um, I do bubbles and bourbon all the time. I'm always going to try to keep myself relevant and advocate for my journey. But um, it is, it's part-time that I'm moving to try to, each year I'm more and more involved and more things are happening where I can consult on the side as well. I also just released my t-shirt line where it's called Find First, Worry Later. And I mean, when I was going through all these things in restaurant management, I was like, oh my gosh, just wine first, worry later. I just kept telling myself that. And then I was like, you know what? Why don't I make this a shirt? You know, I'm, I'm working on my wine apparel brand. There's more things that I have coming. So every quarter you'll see something new and it's going to be like a whole store by the time I'm done at the end of the year. Okay. Um, for making sure I wasn't on mute. Here we go. Um, so <laughs> no problem. Um, so for, um, so for the, your next, so, so the event that's coming up, um, what is, uh, what's the, I guess, what's the, the flow of the event? Like what can people expect when they come? Um, so summer rooftop parties in DC is a big thing. Everybody loves, and it's also on the weekend. Um, it's also right in the heart of Howard university. You're going to come in, I have some tickets to just make sure I regulate the flow. Like everyone's going to be able to get four sliders and four drinks. You know, you go come in, eat first if you like, or get your cocktails at the end. And you can mingle. You can, I have lots of like couch spaces available too. You can just relax. It's from five to seven. We have two hours to mingle. I mean, and also if it goes overboard, that's fine too. But we get, we don't have to like leave at seven, but you know, 
you got to kind of put a cap at something sometimes, but it's a relaxing, socializing, millennial kind of event. Like we love these type of events, especially in the city. And it's gotcha. July. It's the summer. You gotta have fun. <laughs> right. I mean, do you, have you um have you tapped on some of like the alum and stuff like that from Howard just to kind of to partner with you? Or is it one of those things where you are you hosting a lot of students? Are you hosting a lot of people who just kind of live in the area? Who's your who's your main audience? My main audience is some of my followers and close industry friends as, as I have that I've made over the years. Um, I reached out to some alums, but um, unfortunately they can't make it. There are other events going on that weekend as well, but it's going to be a lot of my followers that are hopefully coming out to support. Okay. Do you, um, is there any type of like media coverage? Do you do any type of, um, like video? Are you like going Facebook live or something like that? So other people who don't live in the area can kind of follow the event. If time permits, I will have a moment to go live, but, um, I just like to facilitate things and make sure it runs smoothly first. If there's a moment where I'm just like, okay, everything's under control because I have different stations and I have different helpers. I mean, well, workers, I mean, that will be helping me to vent. So if there's like a time that I'm like, hey, I can go live for about five to 10 minutes and I will do so. But I can't make problems just yet, but I will try my best. <laughs> okay. What's the largest event you've done to date? Hmm. Okay. The largest event I've done. Maybe, oh, you know what? Okay, last summer I had a sparkling soiree and um, I had about, 25 people that came and it was unlimited sparkling wines and champagne that was um, served for my private collection. I think that was maybe, maybe that was the biggest one I've done yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. And the, so your very first event, um, what did that look like? My first event was when I debuted Bubbles of Bourbon um three years ago now it was like also my birthday weekend so it's like hey guys this is a concept i'm coming up with <laughs> um so i before i like knew actual pairings and all the different sparklings and started taking all the courses i was like okay well you know here's i always do flights so i'll always have three sparklings and three bourbon that was my first event. I mean, I had it was also at a paint store, painting store too. So we did some paintings and had some wine and bourbon. I just like kind of got some more fillers of advice of what I should do and how I should continue on. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so what's the best piece of advice you've gotten so far about like growing your business and growing your brand? I would say never forget the why. You can feel a little lost and feel kind of uh, maybe unmotivated just trying to keep up with all the relevance and everything that's going on because there's always some new wine trend something new going on that you feel like overwhelmed like I gotta keep going I gotta keep going because a lot of wine entrepreneurs you're doing it on your own so you could get like caught up doing your full-time life you know and then you know full-time job and trying to socialize with friends but if you just take a moment and remember why you started this journey and why you're doing it and just don't ever give up because there's always someone in your corner rooting for you. Like don't stop because I, I would have never thought maybe three years ago now that I would have such a large following and platform and 
doing, you know, having a wine apparel line that I'm working on and doing events every month. Like I'm just so happy and blessed to be able to share my experience and stories with people. So my best advice was just never forget the why. Don't forget why you started this because I was taking those wine classes and I was like, no one in here looks like me. I need to tell us what's going on with this wine world. <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed that the, the, I guess for millennials specifically, would you say it's a, a bigger challenge for that particular demographic or is it, you know, is it an older group that you just aren't seeing as many um, black faces at, at events I and kind of engaged? There's okay. definitely an increase now. Yeah. There's definitely more people out there now. Like um, I've noticed more students coming into the classes now that are African-American. Some are millennials, some are a little bit older. But I've definitely noticed that we are taking more, I guess, um, knowledge and because the classes are not cheap also okay? mm-hmm. by the way guys <laughs> we need some type of scholarship out here <laughs> so I have noticed that we have grown and that we are more knowledgeable and working to what we have to do to become songs okay and what what would you attribute that change to um I guess black wine lovers group because that's a big community as well for for us in the platform some people, you know, I'll mention some things on there. You know, everyone says things. It's like an open community. Everyone's always chatting and sharing stories. So, I, you know, maybe that's how everyone started to get noticed and okay. coming to take classes and certifications. Do you think there's a, a, a certain level of... Uh, equality now and as far as how we how you're how you're viewed even do you still kind of get a sense that it's kind of an exclusive club where you know um that you know white faces are going to always be a bit more welcome have you noticed that that attitude hasn't really carried over and to come into some of the newer classes of psalms and 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 wine experts and, and educators well, when I tell the white faces, <laughs> it's funny you said that. What I do, they're shocked. They don't believe it. You're bourbon certified. How did you do that? And they like kind of want to do what you want to do to the same time. Like, well, I need to get one too. <laughs> um, it's just kind of, it didn't be my age. They just can't believe that I'm educated in wine and I share my story. And uh, some people found me on a website at Capital Wine School. And it's like a group of black women who are also like in law. And they're like, we specifically wanted an African-American woman to host this event for us. It's just shocking and it's overwhelming. And it's like a grateful thing to be noticed. The, um, I guess when you're having these conversations, do you think the, the surprise really, is it coming? Do you think it's coming from color or is it coming from maybe age or just the fact that it's kind of like, wait a minute, there's a young person who's into bourbon or wine. Cause I know like working in a kitchen think, as a I chef. So. I, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it that we can as a community start to do in order to just kind of create a more inclusive energy around um, wine and other spirits that people are making assumptions that we don't drink, but actually quite a few of us do. Mm-hmm. We do like to drink. <laughs> um, like I said, I need, I think we need a commercial. <laughs> we need a commercial, um, maybe advocating more in some of our, our TV shows that are out now that uh, we drink wine, drink more black wine. And I think that's how we can continue to grow. 
So for for someone who is, you know, listening and they're interested in not necessarily becoming a professional or an educator, but they just want to to learn a bit more so they feel more secure and more comfortable, whether in front of a wine list at a restaurant or picking up a bottle to take to a really great party. Um, where do you suggest someone starts their education? They can start their education at Capital Wine School. We have an intro to wine basics class almost every other Friday. And that's where you'll get like kind of a simplified way of what is wine? You know, how is wine made? And you'll also get to taste about 10 to 11 different wines. And you'll see like the way that we um, we have our flights will give you that story. It's like, this is white wine. This is how it will taste from Sauvignon Blanc. And this is how it will taste differently from Chardonnay. Like it's all in the grapes. And then, you know, we'll go into how to properly store wine and how to properly have wine service. So, you know, we'll give you like a small bit of food and wine pairings as well. Um, you know, another wine store that has classes as well is the Cantor in Eastern Market in Washington, D.C. Um. Are there any like national or online opportunities that people can take advantage of? Are there any books you'd recommend that they can like hop on Amazon since, you know, especially for yeah. people who don't live in the D.C. area or might not necessarily have the cash on hand to spend sure. on an actual full class? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone has to get the wine Bible. That's a great way to start. Um, Karen or Catherine McNeil. I'm sorry if I can't get it right. But um, the wine bob, the wine Bible is something that you absolutely have to have because it's a giant book and you'll go through everything you need to know about wine. Um, wine Folly is a great place to follow and they'll have like the different comp- tasting components of varietals and things of what you'll expect with skin contacts and coloring. Okay, and so if I'm if I'm if I buy the wine Bible, what what do I absolutely need to look at? What 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 chapters do I need to engage in? What are like five like give me five major points about wine that will take me from like intimidated to relatively comfortable the next time I go out to dinner? I think food and wine pairing. Look at that chapter because a lot of us get intimidated. It's like, well you know, I can't drink red wine with fish. You can. So it's like a lot of things. Um, and I know you being the chef, it's like a lot of do's and don'ts, but you can really try it all as long as you open up your palate to it. I personally enjoyed the chapter about champagne and sparkling wine. There was a note in there that um, she mentioned how taking a bite out of like a snowball, I know for you in Arizona, I'm not sure if you ever experienced snow, but if you know, eat some snow, that's kind of the same way that it'll taste if you're drinking champagne. Cause it's like some type of nuttiness, like a cone factor. And it's this chill that I was like, Oh my God, I can relate to this a lot. And she also goes down like a little bit of the history of why, how wine is made and where it came from, because you know, a long time ago, it wasn't safe to drink water, so people made wine. You know, they someone had, I think it's the cavemen, actually. They just picked some grapes, forgot about it, put it in the back of their cave, it came back. It was like, oh, well, let's drink this. And that's how wine was made. <laughs> Mm-mm. Well, I mean, I grew up in New Jersey or in South Jersey outside mm-hmm. of Philadelphia, so I definitely am accustomed to snow. And Arizona yeah. has so many climates that if you can, you drive three hours north from Phoenix, you definitely can go skiing. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Um, Just eat some snow and not champagne. <laughs> <laughs> so for 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 someone who is a complete and total novice, they are going out to dinner on Saturday with a group of friends. They pick a restaurant, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. someone drops the 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 wine um, the wine list in front of them. Based on you know the wine bible, based on your own expertise, what are the top five things they can take away from the wine bible and from yourself that will allow them to pick a wine that they will likely love? I think a lot of people enjoy if you're looking for something sweet and something white wine, try a Riesling. Um, Some people say that as a dessert wine, but I think it's also an intro to wine outside of drinking Moscato. Start with some Riesling. If you want to go to red, something that's not full body, something so, um, I guess, vulgar, go with a Malbec. That's one of my favorites. Or a Pinot Noir. They're lighter skin grapes, and it's not going to be overwhelming with, like, that bitterness that I feel like a lot of people frown on. Um, California is always a good go-to. Everyone kind of starts with California wines. If you want to be bold, go for Bordeaux or Burgundy. I think it was that four, uh, five <laughs> for a dessert wine. I love sauternes. That's kind of what I'm drinking now. It's like a sweet dessert wine. It's like literally liquid gold and candied apricot. <laughs> so good. Now, are there a couple of rules I need to like use when I'm picking a wine? Um, is there anything that I can use in my knowledge base that will help me kind of consistently pick new wines, especially if I am, you know, I'm a I'm a eater and I've decided I want to be a bit more adventurous. And it's kind of my personal goal to kind of expand my palate a little bit and challenge my palate a little bit. You know what? rules about picking wine can I use in order to choose a wine, even just sitting in a huge wine store? Okay. Um, number one rule, fried chicken and champagne. You got to try it. <laughs> you got your fatty oiliness of the fried chicken. Then you get your sweetness of like, it'll compensate with the champagne and the sugar level. Cause it's like barely any sugar actually yet take that back um there are no rules to wine i feel like everyone should just go out and experience and try different things together like i had um stuffed mushrooms and a tourin not i'm sorry i said that wrong and uh burgundy pinot noir together it's so good you just have to try it and be open-minded and that's what i kind of want for us more don't be ruled by the rules just get out there and try some wine and take a bite out of something and either you like it together or you don't. And even if you, if you don't like it, try again, just because you have one thing doesn't mean that all of the wines are going to be the same way. Right. So if I'm looking at, if I'm standing in what's, um, What's the one that's uh, a really big one? Just any kind of large uh, wine superstore. And I'm like, I need to pick a bottle of wine. I'm going to go get a, I'm getting a gift for a friend for a housewarming. What's a great, what are things I need to look at when it comes to the bottle? Do I need to look at region? Do I need to look at terroir? Do I need to look at um, the, the style of grape or the, you know what I mean? Like what, what can I, because, you know, there's so many people who are not going, they're not necessarily going to invest a ton of time, like Googling and trying to buy a book and that kind of thing, but they're intrigued. 
and they want to add wine to their collection of adult drinks in their house. They want to be able to be feel a, le- a little less intimidated if they're out to dinner with their boss or with new friends. And they're kind of looking at this wine list going, I see a year, I see a, I see a, a, a country, I see a style. I have no idea what I'm reading. What can they do in your opinion to kind of help eliminate some of the mystery of a wine list or the mystery of a bottle of wine? Okay, don't focus too much on the year. Unless you like know everything that goes on in every region and state, like, oh, California, this weather, this year, like don't focus too much on the vintage. You want to focus more so on the region because you have a lot of climate and that will matter in how the grapes is grown. So um, it's just going to be like a hot climate in Spain, you know, just think you're going to get something big, juicy, vibrant. Focus more on the region, and then you can go from the grape. Not so much the vintage, don't worry about, because you don't know everything. It will happen every year, you know what I mean? And it's not exactly, like, they'll try to jack up the price just because it's supposedly, you know, vintage or it's older. Focus more on the region and the grape varietal. Right. So, um, so how about we'll do a really quick wine association moment here. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you the name of a wine that people are, that are common, uh, for people and just give me a quick, uh, flavor profile. Um, okay. everything from the, t- you know, the type of fruit that's commonly used, the varietal, as well as possibly if something's full bodied or dry. So, um, okay. someone goes in and they pick up a bottle of Pinot Noir, what are they, what can they expect? A bottle of Pinot Noir is going to be a light body red, and you're going to get notes of strawberries in it. Some people say mushrooms that don't get turned away from it, but it's not going to be something heavy. It's easy to pair because it's such a light skinned grape, and it's a little delicate, um, but um, it's not going to be so bold as like a cab. All right. So that was my next one. So what can people expect mm-hmm. from a Cabernet? I call Cabernets BBWs. You have big bowl wine. So it's going to be higher in alcohol. So you can expect, you know, nothing less than about uh, 13% alcohol. And then the wine, even the color is going to be darker because it takes a little bit longer to grow. And it's like, you really want the grape to grow and kind of like bold and we taste it, you're going to like get your strawberries, raspberries, black currant, maybe like a little hint of pepper. It's just going to be like so much going on that it's in a good way. That's like, oh my God, it's like a party in my mouth because you're like all swishing around in your palate. Like really get your teeth <laughs> red with Cabernets. I love Cabernets. Okay. And let's say, let's look at Marlo. Oh, mellow Merlots. <laughs> it's not going to be as high in alcohol. It's like literally right in the middle part, medium mellow Merlot. Um, your flavor profile there, you'll get a little raspberry. Um, it's going to be juicy and fruity. You might get a hint of mint in it. Just beautiful. Like, you know, those three are actually like, to me, beautiful red wines. If you get a Pinot Burgundy, it's gorgeous. A big cab from Bordeaux, Merlot from really, you can kind of get it from anywhere almost. Those are like kind of my top three reds. 
All right. Now, uh, Pinot Grigio. Um, Pinot Grigio. It's kind of a flavor profile. Not my favorite. High acid. <laughs> um, as soon as you take a little sip, it's like, oh my gosh, you feel the acidity like going down the back of your jaw. Um, because Italian wine, especially Pinot Grigios, it's it's going to be high acid, high acidity, high alcohol. You know, all those things going on there with it. All right. Uh, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the so that so Pinot usually pairs really well with something fatty that has a really full mouthfeel. If you're going to pair it with something to eat, um, and usually with something that has a bigger, bolder flavor, acidity is fantastic for balancing flavors on the palate. So um, it's really a great one to actually use in salad dressings and also to cook with because of the acidity as well. Um, let's see. And finally, Chardonnay. Oh, Chardonnay is like the Beyonce of wine. Everybody loves it. <laughs> it's so buttery. It's kind of like caramel buttery popcorn for me. Chardonnay is my least favorite <laughs> of white wine. I mean, I, <laughs> I just learned to love a Marcel, but, um, and that's, yeah all right so my last question for you is essentially name give me your top five bourbons and your top five wines all right top five bourbon 1792 small batch uh maker's mark hmm Will it? Um, let's see, that's three. Knob Creek Rye. Um, let's see. Jim Bean just came out with an aged black barrel that I just recently had. That was pretty tasty. Blanton's. Oh, that's good too. Um, and let's go with Rowan's Creek. I think that's five for okay. bourbons. <laughs> um, wine, Gloria Ferreira, Brute Rose, Clinker Brick, Zinfidel, any Argentinian Malbec is good for me. <laughs> um, Frank Family, Cabernet Sauvignon, and um, a Vino Verde or Alberino. Okay. All right. Now, what are you, um, what are you currently, what are you currently drinking? I know you mentioned a dessert wine. Um, yes. <laughs> right now I'm drinking a Sauterne with uh, La Fort de Yor 2014 Sauterne. It's my dessert wine for the night. <laughs> All right. And uh, what's the, where are the best places to go in your area for just a, a drink after work? Um, for dinner that has a fantastic wine list or, um, or a, a, a couple of restaurant locations that have um, Black Psalms on um, on on the payroll. Uh, so what it, what do people need to go? Where do people need to go in your area to make sure that, you know, we are seen and heard and um, that people are spending their dollars um, where there is some diversity of staff as well as some representation? Absolutely. You want to go to the Gibson on 14th and U, or you want to go to Homestead Bar. And that's on Georgia Avenue. 
All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, y'all, you heard it here first. Make sure you hit those places up. Um, Is there anything specific they should be ordering from the menu? Um, You know, our bartenders there, they're so crafty. Just let them know what you prefer and they'll whip up anything for you. I always love a good Manhattan or a vodka martini with a lemon twist. All right. Anything, uh, anything to eat we need to think about? Oh my gosh. It's summertime. Get barbecue and rosé and have a good time. You'll take me later. Or if you want to do fried chicken and champagne, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I definitely made a strong recommend, a, a strong push for that a couple of, a couple of interviews ago to make mm-hmm. sure we are, you know, it's, it's been one of the coolest, um, trends in culinary to pop up for sure is, um, is champagne and, and fried chicken. Yeah, it's so good. I think we just had National Fried Chicken Day maybe two days ago or so. It was like really close to 4th of July. Mm. So for, I'm sure people still are like, but how and why? I'm like, don't worry about the mysteries. I could explain to you why this works, but don't worry about it. It, it ruins the moment. Exactly. Because once you take a bite, it's like, oh my God. I'm like, this makes all this makes all the sense in the world. So what's your um so what are your your kind of goals in the next year? How can we as a community be supporting um the growth of your brand? <laughs> Um, check on me because I'm going through the diploma program next. <laughs> that takes at least two years. So there's six different units and um, there's a lot of theory and written exams when it comes to the, the culture and winemaking process. So um, please check on me, support me on that, you know, send me random small motivational quotes <laughs> that's kind of like what I'm finishing for the rest of the year just you know get that diploma program going um continue on with my wine apparel line and I do have some cork art available too but that's like my side side hobby it's like bored on a rainy day I'm gonna design some cork art <laughs> okay and so what's the, um where can we where can we find all of the follow you find you um and and shout shout you out in on all the the multiple platforms that are available so i have a facebook page that's bubbles and bourbon and then i also have an instagram bubbles underscore in underscore bourbon on instagram and that's where you can find me. The website is coming. It, it takes a little time. You got to find the right graphic design people. But for right now, you can find me on social media for Facebook and Instagram. All right. Well, thank you so much for popping in here for a, an hour tonight. Um, I appreciate just getting able to being able to get to know you a bit better and letting you talk to the people. And um, so we can all just learn more about you and learn how we can, again, best support you and um, and Bubbles and Bourbon, um, just so we can see more like yourself out in the world doing doing this work, because um, we are definitely out here consuming it. I think it's time that the rest of the, the planet understands that we're here. We might not have a ton of TV time and a ton of media time, and we might not even be talking about it as much as we should um, ourselves, but it, it's happening and, and out here. Yeah. 
I'm like, I just, you know, if you're, if you're doing this type of work, talk about mm-hmm. it, share it. Yeah. Don't be shy about it. Um, yeah. you know, sometimes you just, you have to just kind of keep hitting the wall until it falls down. Cause they do. And, um, definitely if there's a platform that features our faces and the spaces that we're growing into the, you know, definitely support those. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges we have as a community is black people supporting other black people. It's just, it's built into the, what I call the slave programming is to not support one another and to be suspicious of each other. And in order to overcome that, we have to just put our faith and trust in each other and, um, and respect the work that we're doing and, you know, not sit out here and ask for discounts and coupons and and can you help me out and all that other stuff, but to really treat each other the way we would treat any other race of people that we spend money with. And, um, gotta feed the dream. You know, and so for us, it's just like, you know, our responsibility is to produce high quality work, high quality content that adds value, not just to our community, but to the world and to help and hold ourselves to the highest standard. And then, you know, as a community, our responsibility is to support those people doing that work. And so um, I definitely look forward to seeing where um, Bubbles and Bourbon grows to. And I will definitely um, make sure that we are talking about you and talking about your events and just making sure that you stay at the front of everybody's mind. So I appreciate you and I thank you so much for um, for your time tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's absolutely been a blast. And anytime, just give me a call. I'm here. All right. Well, thank you again and you have a good night. Thank you for listening in on this week's conversation with Marcia. I am excited that you have joined our community of thoughtful, ambitious, and informed listeners. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a comment. I'd love to hear your feedback. Listen to the Afros and Knives podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you podcast. New episodes are available every Tuesday. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Get the official season one t-shirt in the Afros and Knives store and join the celebration. And don't forget to sign up to become an insider at afrosandknives.com and get the official podcast calendar, updates on new designs, and exclusive content. Thank you so much, and we'll talk again next week.